everybody. Welcome to another episode of Courtside with Beal and Sincenis, part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. We are back on with my co-host today, Steve Flink. It's French Open time, and boy, oh boy, about 90 minutes prior to this recording, we had breaking news. Naomi Osaka winds up withdrawing from the French Open. Steve, you ready to do this? Absolutely. No, it, it, it explains... Her statement may be put into perspective what had been sort of a mystery. There was so much that was inexplicable that she would release that statement about not doing the press conferences. So why was she taking this kind of a contentious stance and then getting everybody up in arms? And it seemed to me to be a little out of character and a little, little strange. And now, of course, we see that she's she's really been having a very hard time ever since the 2018 U.S. Open when she had that traumatic experience playing Serena in the finals. And it really kind of goes back to there with and suffering from depression and everything is now fully in perspective. Do do you agree? I totally agree. And obviously, uh, I mean, mental health is no joke. And and I agree with you, like you said, maybe she could have approached it a little bit differently at the outset where maybe not putting it on social media, maybe have her agent seek out the French open tournament officials directly. Again, it was a little bit of a mystery, like you said, um, and then the French Open and the other slams come back with a strong statement, which may have been a little bit of an overreach. Um, again, maybe they didn't know all the details. And then, you know, just about 90 minutes ago, you saw Naomi come out with that statement. And, and it's too yeah, bad. David, I have to imagine, David, that they didn't. I don't think they would. There's any way that the Grand Slams would have been so terse had they not had they known this. No way. Yeah. But now. Everybody is fully aware, and it's it's a very sad situation. I mean, I can't imagine that we're going to see her at Wimbledon, for instance. That's awfully soon on the heels of this episode, and I just hope by the uh, over the course of the summer that maybe she, that she's able to come back and defend her U.S. Open title. And uh, it's amazing how well she's played on the court between the lines, dealing with this. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Going on and winning, you know, two Opens, two Australians. I mean, it, it's been a remarkable record. And especially recently, especially in the recent months, I mean, U.S. Open last year and then Australian this yeah. year, she was really on a roll. And uh, it, it, but but now now we realize that there was an awful lot going on uh, inside her psyche that we had no clue about. No clue. I mean, there was a reference she made to having told reporters, I guess, three years ago that she she felt very down, but I mean, there was no way to to interpret that at the time. I don't think I think anything other than she's having a bad day. She's having a tough time today. She's a little bit down. Nobody would have known it was this kind of serious depression. Yeah. Well, again, I think um, I know you, myself, the whole tennis community. Um, just wish her the the best and wish her well because I mean, <laughs> to say she's talented is an understatement because she is a. She is an extraordinary talent on the tennis court, and hopefully she gets uh, she she gets her health right and and back on the court uh, pretty soon because the the WTA tour is better when she's playing for sure. No doubt about it. And uh, you know we have clarification now. It's too bad in retrospect that somebody around her, agent, family member, whatever, couldn't have convinced her that maybe it was the best thing to never come to this tournament at all. Yeah, and just say and and issue a state whatever statement she wanted, but that can't be undone. The fortunate thing is now there, there's a lot more understanding of, of what she was going through. And I think there'll be much more sympathy for her that would not have existed. And she can move on. And so can we. Yes. Yes. And, and to move on, um, 
you know, the tournament has started. It's just about the conclusion of day two. As we're recording this, Serena has just taken the court. Um, so her result, we don't know her result for the first round, but um, we do have we do have quite a few things to start uh, to talk about. And, you know, this is Rafa's house, right? It, it really is Rafa's house. And, and I wanted to ask you, when they did the previous in the 2020 French Open, they moved it to the fall and they said the colder weather and the balls were heavier and it's going to be so much harder for Rafa. And all Rafa did was win 21 sets to the good and lost zero, um, which is incredible. David, David, just let me interrupt for a second. In fairness, Rafa was the one leading the, leading us in that direction. He kept speaking so openly of his doubts and how his insecurities regarding the conditions and cooler conditions that it wasn't going to suit him. So in a way, all of us were sort of following his lead and believing, believing him. But of course he makes a habit out of overcoming dawning circumstances and just getting back to his winning ways. Yeah, I'll buy that. You're, you're right. You are. He, he did mention that. And then he said like two or three days before first ball of the tournament, he said, that's it. No more excuses. Time to go out and get it. And uh, he sure did. So now it's back to, I mean, it's pushed back a week, but, for us, um, you know, for all purposes, it's at its normal time now. Um, is there anything, obviously, health being the exception, we assume, and, and hopefully he's 100% healthy. Is there anything that says, you know, he's not going to come up with another French Open title, in your opinion? No, I don't. I don't think so. Obviously, there's a couple of guys. I mean, to me, it's Djokovic or Tsitsipas. So I can't see anybody else beating. Perhaps Rublev in the quarters has another astonishing day as he did in Monte Carlo against Rafa. And I do believe if he were to meet Novak in the semifinals as the draw has dictated, that it would be a very different match from the route that Rafa recorded over Novak, Love 2 and 5 in the finals last year. Right. I, mean, I think it would be a match much more like Rome that was really well, hotly contested in three well-played sets with Rafa the victor, 6-3 in the third. I, I believe we'd see a, a very hard-fought match this time around, too. But all things being equal, uh, and it, I, it's really hard to imagine him not winning a 14th Roland Garros crown. He's, yep. just, he's just so far and away the best clay court player in the world. Now, I do believe Novak is underrated on these courts, and I do believe that Tsitsipas has made serious strides this spring mm -hmm. on the clay. So those two guys, I, I have, I, I would have some optimism for either one of them on a given day. I don't see anybody else out, uh, uh, beating him. I suppose if Zarev had a surprise run to the final, having beaten him once on clay this year and had beaten him three times in a row before he lost the last match, that maybe he could make a go of it. But I wouldn't trust him in best of five against Rafa in a French Open final. I just wouldn't. And, so, he doesn't, uh, and you don't, he does not have to deal with uh, one of the best players on clay outside of Rafa. And that's Dominic team who, unfortunately um, Dominic, ever since he beat Nick Kyrgios in that fabulous match in Australia, he just has not been the same and, and something's going on with Dominic. You know, there's so many times when, when you win your first slam, sometimes it propels you and you just get on such a roll and you win more and more. Other times it's like, Whoa, there's expectations. And, how do I defend and all this stuff? And I think Dominic's struggling with that a little bit. He is way, way too good and way too um, disciplined to have these struggles go. I think at, for a real lengthy period of time, he is going to bounce back, but that's another guy that Rafa will not have to contend with because. Oh no, absolutely. And that's, that's important. Not that he's ever lost to him here, but he's lost to him through the years, almost once a year on clay, other places, never at Roland Garros, but, uh, 
it is a sad situation with team. I think it's sort of a mid-career crisis, a mid-life crisis, mid-career crisis, whatever we want to call it. But he traces it back to winning the Open. That's when he looks back on that period and feels like somehow he finally realized a, a lifelong dream. And then he was starting to question, you know, what the meaning of life almost. So I do hope he comes out of this because what made it particularly sad was that he he was up two sets to love against yeah. Anduar, the first-rate clay court player, but Dominic should not let him escape from a two sets to love deficit. And that's exactly what happened. So that made it even more jarring for Dominic team to go out in that fashion, blowing a two sets to love lead. No, he'll be back for sure. He'll, he's way too yeah. good. And he'll, he'll get over the, he'll get over this slump quickly. Um, Hey, Roger Federer, he took the court today. Uh, he's only played God two or three matches in the past few months, uh, past <laughs> past few months, way longer than that. But I'm just talking of recent history. He has not had a lot of match practice, but he played Dennis Istomin today. He looked, Roger looked great and rolled him pretty well. Um, what are your thoughts on Roger? What are your thoughts on Roger? Well, you know what, David, I think that was, it was such a perfect start for him because as a guy that he knows well, you're not playing somebody who you're unfamiliar with. He's beaten them seven times. They've never lost a set. So he had this, he had, he, he was, he, he knew exactly what to expect. Isterman qualified. He didn't move well. Uh, Roger was able to drop shot gotcha. him uh, ruthlessly and relentlessly. And then just, he relaxed. He also had no trouble holding his serve throughout the match. So it was an ideal opponent to start his quest, not taking nothing away from Roger who played some really dazzling tennis in, yeah. in, in, in his victory. But I want to see him now. Now, it, it, obviously, from this point on, it gets tougher. It would be Marin Cilic next yeah. to, of course, lost a, a, a final to Roger in five sets at the Australian once and also beat Roger in a, in a straight set semi at the 2014 U.S. Open when Marin captured his lone Grand Slam title. He's not the same Cilic that beat Federer at the U.S. Open that year, but he's still formidable. And then after that might be Taylor Fritz. That's when we're going to find out. Roger playing the likes of Chilich and Fritz. Those are real matches. Today was just sort of a tune-up, but boy, was he impressive, even under those circumstances. He looked really clean. His game looked really clean um, today compared to the, the, the past few matches he's played. So, yeah, it'll get interesting. You know, remember, he he destroyed Chilich in, in Wimbledon in the final, like where Chilich almost had um, uh, uh, some sort of, you know, I don't know, overwhelming feeling, feelings of despair or whatever, but then they played Australia and it was a, it was a little bit closer of a match. So oh, Australia was five sets. Was five really sets. Hanging. And, and, but Wimbledon, I, Chilich had some kind of an injury that day, not to say that he was going to beat Roger on that occasion, but he was in tears at one point at yep. one of the overs because mid-match he, he had some kind of a minor injury, but you can't even afford a minor injury when you're playing Federer on the center court of Wimbledon. No. Still, he played pretty well in his first round match, Chilich, and it'll be interesting to see uh, what his mindset is like, feeling like he might be catching Roger at the right time, uh, given that Roger, as you said, he'd only played three matches this year leading up to today. So right. that that that's at least a, a serious test. I think Federer gets through it. It might drop a set, but at least it's going to be He's going to be extended. Yeah, I want to um, ask you about one other player, and then I want to talk about a couple of just interesting matches uh, in the draw. And before we do the interesting matches in the draw, I just want to ask you, you know, Coco Goff, she's been playing some really good ball recently. She recently won uh, singles and doubles in, in Parma. She has a little tricky draw in the second round. I'm, I'm flipping the papers now here. 
I think in the second round, she may play Sue Wei, which is a, a dangerous type of opponent to play. That's one of those, when you look in the draw, you're like, ah, just don't have her near me on anywhere. You know, have her on the total other side of the draw. She may play her in the second round, which is tricky, but um, Coco's game, she's, she's looked good the last few weeks. Listen, she's looked good to me pretty much the entire year. I've seen nothing but growth and development and, and, and match playing maturity and winning that tournament, doing it so convincingly. And I, she's cut down on her double faults. Her forehand, she's really shored up off that side. The forehand is much better than it was six yes. months ago. So I'm very encouraged about her. I, you know, a difficult, you know, tricky second rounder or not, I kind of like her chances to really make an impression in this tournament. And she has, I think she's improved immensely over the last few months and gained a lot of confidence in the process. Yeah. Yeah. Let's hope, let's hope she makes a good run. Um, interesting. She normally plays doubles with, with Katie McNally. Speaking of Katie McNally, I recently recorded a podcast with Katie's coach, Kevin O'Neill. I'm going to release that in a couple of weeks after we get through the French open, but um, Coco is actually playing doubles with Venus Williams. So uh, yeah. that who knows how, you know, how many times they've, they've hit or played, you know, Coco has beaten her a couple of times in singles, but who knows? I don't know if they've ever played doubles together, but at least it will be entertaining to watch. So. Well, I think they'll also have, they, they will really enjoy it together, the different generations. And I think they'll have some laughs and some fun, but they'll also bear down. And there's a good balance on that team. Uh, I mean, they, they really could do quite well. Uh, I, 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 I like the, I, I don't, think they're going into this just for last but they will have a good time competing together yeah yep 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 let's yeah, that'll be interesting to watch so we'll see how that goes there's there's a potential matchup that myself and a lot of tennis fans were looking forward to that unfortunately not going to happen and then that was a possible Stefano Tsitsipas versus Sebastian Corda second round Absolutely. match and yeah um, I didn't think Sebastian would have beaten Stefanos in that match I just wanted to watch it and I also wasn't surprised that um, Sebi Corda. I was not surprised that he lost today. And that, and I, and I say that because he just won a tournament. You know, he's still very young. There could be mental fatigue. There could be some f- physical fatigue. He did ask for a trainer in the first set, but gosh, I, I, I was hoping Sebi got through that first one to, to play Stefanos. Well, based on the form that he showed in winning the tournament this past week, I, I, I have to believe the injury really was a significant factor. I did think he was going to win today. And I thought, like you, it would be very appealing to watch him against the veteran Sitsipas. I think Stefanos would have been a bit nervous about that. And Korda has, is another guy that's really made such uh, impressive strides this year. Yeah. And it's, it's too bad for him. He only had the one day off. It would have been nice, maybe one more day off because he won the title on Saturday. Yep. And so probably didn't get to practice. I'm assuming he didn't practice on the Roland Garros clay until Sunday. And then he plays Monday. That's a tough, tough turnaround, but it's a match that we, we aficionados and reporters would love to have seen. And now we're deprived of that too bad. Well, it's too bad, but the, the good news is that he's going to have plenty of these grand slams uh, in, in his future. So he's got a heck of a future. We're all so, uh, so high on his, uh, on his future. So that's, he'll, he'll bounce back quickly. Um, another person who has had tr- trouble just staying healthy pretty much her whole career, um, Bianca Andreescu. She lost a marathon match today. Um, I just, uh, the WTA, I said it about Osaka. I'm going to say it about Andreescu. The WTA tour is better when she's playing. And I just hope she can stay healthy because we all know how good Bianca is. And uh, 
Ah, she's just yeah. tough luck. It's just tough luck. Tough luck, tough, tough match. She went right down to the wire, long three-setter. She competed with, with quiet fury, as always, honorably. But you know what, David? I think she's better on the on the hard courts. I think she needs a little bit more experience on clay. So it was always there was always the possibility she could bow out early here. I still think if she can stay healthy, and I think she'll do fine at Wimbledon, too. I want to see her on the grass and the hard courts the rest of this summer, and I think we'll see her. Um, between Wimbledon and the Open, we're going to be some. We'll see something big out of her in at least one of those tournaments. I hope so. I hope you're right. I love watching her play. Another brutal first round matchup: Sophia Kennan versus Ostapenko in the first round. Kennan, we know, just split with her father as her coach. Um, Kennan got through that match three sets. Sometimes you get a real tough early round matchup and you get through it, and then you start really playing well in the later rounds. We'll see um, if that plays out. That's a tough first round. It was. It was very tough, and they kept exchanging breaks all the way through the third set. Kennan looked like she was going to break that set open when she went up three love and two breaks. And then for the rest of the way, it was a hard struggle, but she really returned well and had great depth off the ground, and she was really much more solid from the backcourt overall than Ostapenko. Deserved the win, and I, I do hope it propels her now in the right direction. I love seeing her in the latter stages of majors, and be nice to see it happen here again. Yeah. Um, I do want to talk Serena again for those listening. Um, she's playing right now in her first round match as we are recording this. When I looked at the draw, I said, okay, a possible third round with Angelique Kerber. That's not going to happen because Kerber lost early. But um, Danielle Collins, she may play Danielle Collins, who's coming back from um, rather pretty serious surgery. And it was good that Danielle got a good victory and they may play in the third round. Um, I, I'm going to ask you, I, I'll ask you now, because I put it on Twitter and I'll tell you, um, I put a poll out there and said, who do you think is going to go further, Serena or Roger? And the overwhelming majority voted for Serena. I said, who do you go further in Roland Garros in this tournament? Um, Roger did get a couple votes, but the overwhelming majority was Serena. It's a tough call because his draw is not awful in the sense of getting to, you know, he may sneak through these Chilich and Fritz matches and, and, and in best case scenario, he beat Berrettini to get to the quarters. Right. Maybe Serena has not played well. That's what I find fascinating about your poll. She has not had a good clay court circuit leading up to here, not confidence building time for her on the dirt. But on the other hand, I think people are showing faith in her as, as a big occasion player. Yeah. And, Oh, obviously, with her great historical drive to catch Margaret Court and get that 24th major, there's always the there's always that that extra incentive to play her best at the majors. But this is not despite the fact that she's had great success at Roland Garros in the past. This is not really her best surface. Uh, uh, you know, she, too, like Roger, I think she's trying to do as well as she can here with the hopes that she can peak at Wimbledon. That's really the idea. Get the matches in. And Serena would tell you that she thinks she can win this tournament. But I, I, I don't, frankly, I'd be I would really tip my hat to her if she won the French. I think her chances, again, uh, are going to be at, at, on the center court of Wimbledon and, and in Arthur Ashe Stadium, the U.S. Open. That's where if she's going to get that next major, it's going to happen in one of those places. Yeah, I was surprised um, by the, the poll as well. I thought it would be a little closer. I was actually leaning a little bit towards Roger and it's amazing um, yeah, he's almost 40 years old, but they put the stat up uh, right when Roger stepped on the court today. I think he played Rafa in four finals and he played him in a couple yeah. semis like that 20, 
that 20 and I, and you hate playing the, the, butt or the what if game, but like Roger easily could may have 24 grand slams or 20, but but you know, it's true. You're right. And, and he lost three in a row at one stage to wrap it 2006, seven and eight, he lost the finals. And then again in 2011 and then the semis in 05. And then again, two years ago. So that is a lot of losses. On the other hand, look at Novak has really had essentially the same problem. He's lost seven times to Rafa at Roland Garros, you know, and, and he's lost three finals to, to Rafa at Roland. Imagine what he might. I think that I, I, I think that they're in a similar boat in that both Novak and Roger could have won a lot more than one French if it wasn't for one Rafael Nadal. This guy from Mallorca is a pain in the butt to these two guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it's it's extraordinary. Point. I do think Novak, people neglect to say that about him, but it's true because, I, and now granted, Novak lost one final to Stan Vavrinka also in 2015, but he should have more than one French in his in his collection too. And I think he would tell you that, but Rafa has has monopolized this tournament and, and we can only tip our hat to him. Absolutely. Um, I, we're still at the early stages. We are going to do a, um, we are going to do, a like a, a next month uh, we'll do like a mid French Open update. We'll also do a uh, you know a post French Open wrap up. We'll see how how it all falls out. But um, I guess at the early stages again, the first round still going on. It's only day two. Um, if if I had to ask you a pick on the on the women's side and the the men's side, or are you set to to give me one, or you want to wait and we do it midweek maybe? Well, no, I mean I would still stay. I would still. Definitely go with Rafa. As I say, Novak and, and Novak at this point would be my, I would actually amend my prediction a couple of weeks back. I would go with Novak as my second choice and Stefanos a close number three. He's on the right half of the draw to get to the finals. But the women don't ask me because I still don't have a great feel for it at all. It's fascinating to see because we still have six, seven, eight women that could take this title. Brad Gilbert says more. He says there could be 15 beep, 10 to right. 15. I mean, it's, it's, it's fascinating to see. Um, it goes both ways, right? Sometimes you like to see the rivalry of like maybe two or three. Um, but you also like to see, well, who get, can get hot at the right time and play unbelievable tennis for two weeks. So you get a little bit of both uh, on the women's side, I guess. But I guess if you pin me down though, I, I think I might go for the defending champion from Poland to win the women's title. Really? See attack. Yeah, I'm I'm that impressed with her. I think she's she's been she didn't play a great first round match, but I believe she's going to be very difficult to beat. And I, I, I don't think she's going to be afraid to defend this crown. Got it. Well, thank you for your thoughts. We're going to release this tonight. So it will be we're, we're doing this again. Memorial Day. Um, we're going to release this this evening around 7 p.m., 6 p.m. Central Time. Um, and we shall see. There's a lot of tennis to be played. Again, the big story today, Naomi Osaka withdrew from the French Open. We all hope um, she gets better and can get back on court uh, sooner rather than later because the, the, the tennis world needs to see her. She's, uh, she's such an extreme talent, and she has such a big platform to, to um, promote such good in this world, just way beyond the tennis court. So best wishes to her. Steve, thank you for your time on this Memorial Day. Go enjoy the barbecue, which I hope you will. I uh, hope you'll be doing after this pod. And we'll speak, uh, I don't know, in about six days. Look forward to it, David. It was good fun. Thanks, Steve.